0: This is Marsha Epstein in Lawrence, Kansas, and it is National Poetry Month. April is always National Poetry Month. And so it's fun for me to get to remind you to get out, go to some of those poetry events that are in your community. And if somehow you can't find them, then then look for stuff online. There's lots of stuff going on. There's so much wonderful poetry that brings people together. And there is this link in the announcement of the show about national poetry month and poem in your pocket day which this year is april 27th which is a special nudge to share poetry i actually have a poem in my pocket the pocket of what I carry my stuff in but it's it's in that pocket and there is one poem that's been there a couple of years I have a poem in the case of my phone that has been there since 2012 I I I love what happens with poetry with the power of words and bringing people together sometimes laugh sometimes cry sometimes just enjoy the beauty of whatever it is and so today is one of those days when I get to feature a poet, um, this time a poet from the Northwest whose um, home base is Vancouver, Washington, and in some ways whose poetry performance base may be more Portland, Oregon, all in that same area. So I want to welcome Tiffany Burba. How are you, Tiffany? Hey. I'm doing great. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of all the wetness that we're having here, but I also recognize that suddenly things are very green, and that is lovely for a change. So the sky may be a little gray, but there's a lot of color around, and I appreciate that.
1: Yes, we're actually having sunny weather this morning, which is <laughs> rare for April in the Northwest, but I am thoroughly enjoying it.
0: Very good, very good. So tell us a little bit about you. You know, I I was trying to remember the thread that got me to you. And I know that where the easy part to identify is Todd Cirillo of Six Foot Swells Press. And Todd connected me to Matt Amott, who's near you in Portland, Oregon. And Matt connected me to you. And I don't remember how I first got to Todd. But tell us a little bit
1: about you and your writing. Well, I started writing um, in 2009. I was in a, a difficult relationship, and it was the one way I could kind of uh, process what was going on. Um, I'd written a little bit before that, just here and there, some stuff, you know, as, as a child, but um, didn't really dive into poetry and writing, and it was really a way to heal myself. And so um, when I started in 2009, I just I wrote pretty much every day, um, just kind of journaling and um, writing small pieces just to kind of uh, work through some of the stuff that I was going through. And then it just kind of took off from there. Um, And I've pretty much been writing ever since. I try to do at least one project a year um, to where, you know, like this year I'm taking a poet and each month I I read their book and then I take a poem a week and kind of write off that inspiration. um, I've done... I, I One year I did uh, 365 days of poems to where I wrote a poem every day, uh-huh. um, which was very challenging, but uh, I ended up with like 394, so uh-huh. that was a really great experience, and then um, I've written poems based off pictures I've taken because I'm also a photographer, so um, just always have some type of project going, um, you know, and then whatever's going on in the community, um, I, you know, I try to tap into that and um, if it's something that I'm interested in doing.
0: So ha- I'm interested that, that your start with poetry, I mean, a lot of people will say, well, I wrote bad poetry in high school, you know, or or I was writing um, at earlier times. And you're saying that really you reached a point in your life when writing was an important way to, to, Get through some things going on for you to understand them. How do you have any sense about how that happened for you? You know, how come writing was the right was the the thing that was would work for you? You know?
1: Yeah, I think um, for me, I'm so much in my head anyways, and so that was the one way to get all of those thoughts out, so I didn't internalize them as much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're, you're dealing with um, an individual like I was who was um, very verbally abusive and, and just very unkind. Um, and if you leave those thoughts in your head, they kind of stay there and become a part of you. So for me, it was really about um, still having to take in that information, but finding a way to to get out the the negative um, things that were being said, just so I didn't take that on as, as who I was. Mm-hmm. So it was really, you know, it was... It was kind of about self-survival in, in that respect. Mm-hmm.
0: Had you done some kind of journaling before? You know, was there something that let you know that this will probably be healing for me?
1: Um, here and there throughout my life, um, I would like my grandparents would take us on trips as kids. So we went to Hawaii and we went to New Mexico and all through California. So my grandma was always... Um, a big influence as far as writing with me. Um, as far as journaling, um, she would have us journal our, our trips and what we did each day and, um, all that fun stuff. And, and she, she used to write me these beautiful letters. And, um, and so I think my writing, you know, even at an early age was more just some letters back and forth to her. So, um, I wouldn't say it was, they were journal entries. It was just more telling her about what was going on. And then Mm -hmm. as we got older, she, she definitely encouraged, you know, the the journaling of trips and um, family events and and things like that.
0: That's really cool. And when you say that, it really touches me deeply and I'm going to share a story in my own family. So, um, and, and just a year ago, my, my mother-in-law died and she, she, my, my, husband's parents were very involved with our two sons through all their growing up and and college and everything. They were they were the they were the parents, the grandparents that were really, you know, there for all the sporting events and all kinds of things. And my mother-in-law Hattie had that gift of writing and throughout our kids' lives she would write them little notes sometimes that they were poems with the the letters of our son's first names or whatever kinds of things but writing was something she did and and lovely thoughtful notes to to our two sons and um, just over a year ago um, our older son and his wife their first child was born and and when Crosby was born he was a little well had a little bit of some concerns health wise and was kept in a neonatal intensive care unit for first week, which was really, um, I mean, it certainly wasn't the, the hardest birth situation that, that people go through, but it wasn't also the easiest where you get to go home with your lovely baby and start family life. And so the, the day that they knew that Crosby was going to be discharged from the hospital, my son Cassidy, wrote this beautiful letter to Crosby, to his, you know, five-day, six-day-old son about things that he was looking forward to sharing with Crosby, about how Cassidy met Kristen, his wife, Crosby's mom, and and all these different things, and why Crosby's middle name was Buck, which is um, the name of Buck O'Neill, who was a Negro League uh, baseball museum baseball player um who's honored at the Kansas City Negro League Baseball Museum and many other places all these lovely things that he wrote in this letter to his baby son which will be one of those things that will be cherished when you know when Crosby is older and um you know can can kind of sense the the love and meaning of all this um the time when when Crosby was born um Hattie um his great-grandmother, was ill, and she actually never got to meet Crosby um, before she died. And still, one of the things I was able to share with her was that, although she hadn't directly met him, that she had touched him very deeply because she was the inspiration for Cassidy to write this beautiful letter to his baby son, you know? And so, you know, when, when you talk about your grandmother and your grandmother encouraging you to write about trips and letters between the two of you, to me, that, as I say, strikes really deep in my heart. I think that's that's a beautiful experience. And what a great way to get started in writing. That's lovely.
1: Yes, I, I felt very fortunate to have that influence. And um, I have a granddaughter now who will be three in um, May, Sophia and um I've been writing poems for her, and I even wrote a poem for her before, like two weeks before she was born. And so um she's been to a lot of poetry readings and uh-huh. and I read her poetry. so she hopefully um, hopefully she won't hate it as she gets older. but um she's definitely <laughs> she's definitely had the exposure to it.
0: Yeah, that is fun. That is fun. That's something that in the community where I live, Lawrence, Kansas, we're a university community. And I'm guessing that university communities have some things in common about being sort of casual in some ways more than, than some other cities and not quite as small town as we would be without a major university how to say all that but but i mean seeing little kids at at events is one of those really cool things um really cool things and and poets who bring their children up to the mic you know uh, one one little one event that i that i host each year on world suicide prevention day it's called words save lives and and one year uh, my friend a poet tover enneking and his daughter Francesca were at the mic, and I realized that Francesca bit through the cover of the mic. You know, <laughs> it's like oh. so. I'm like, I'm uh, telling my friend who I borrowed this from. I'm like, I need to replace the cover on your mic, and this is what happened to it. And, you know, it's like it's no big deal. It's not an expensive thing or anything, but it just cracked me up. Like, great, Francesca has now eaten the cover of the mic and one of my dog's bones she chewed on for a while before we realized
1: that's what she was doing one day. <laughs> they keep it they keep it very entertaining don't they <laughs> <laughs> yes
0: absolutely
1: so you you do
0: this writing and it's for you and it's for others and that's always something I'm I'm interested in too especially because your writing started in such a personal way you know i'm i'm thinking it takes a lot of guts to be able to share writing with people i mean i think that about any kind of art what what got you from, you know, I'm going to write this, and now I'm actually going to get to a mic, and I'm going to say this to people?
1: Well, it's, it's a very interesting story. Um, my younger brother, Tyler, who um, lives in New York, he um, went to school with... Um, a man named Christopher Luna, who is the Poet Laureate of Clark County in Vancouver, Washington. And also, um, he and his wife are the ones who published my book. Um, there was Printed Matter Vancouver. Um, my brother had gone to school with Chris um, at the Naropa in- Institute with the at the Jack Kerouac um, School of Disembodied Poetics. And so, my brother, you know, always encouraged me to write. Um, he's been involved with... You know, Ann Waldman and a lot of very well-known um, poets. And so he said to me, he said, Tiff, if you're going to go read your poetry, go read it Christopher Luna's reading, which is mm-hmm. Ghost Town uh, Poetry Open Mic. Um, and that happens. He's been running that for, I believe, 14 years now in Vancouver. And Vancouver is a very small community. Um not a huge uh, art and culture place, um, but now we have several readings and there's arts um, walks first Friday of the month. So, you know, with his influence and some other people that saw me in the community, they've, you know, brought poetry. Um, they've done poets in the shops. There's a project for this month that's um, called Rain Haiku to where nice. there are poems. There's poems that are painted on the sidewalks. That you only um, I see... believe there's about...
0: Is it, is it, are they the poems that you only see when it rains? Yes. That
1: is so cool. Yes. So um, I was fortunate to have two of my poems selected for that since I grew up in Vancouver. Um, and so that's, that's happening uh, this first Friday. Um, but my brother, um, because he had such respect for Chris, he said, go read there. And the Ghost Town Poetry Community... Was so welcoming and supportive and understanding that it's hard to get up there and be that vulnerable. (laughs) And since I, most of my poetry back, I started reading there in 2013. Um, most of it was very painful relationship type poetry. So to have to stand in front of strangers and be that vulnerable. Mm -hmm. uh, It definitely had to be the the right environment. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of those poets have been coming there since the beginning. And, um, you know, it's, it's the one place that I tell people if, if you're reading for the first time and you're, you're scared and you're really nervous about being that vulnerable, that is the place to do it because everyone there is so welcoming and supportive. And you just feel that love when you're, Standing up there, whether you're, you know, shaking and trembling and, and crying, you, you have the support of the community. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've all we've all been in that situation to where it's our first time reading and mm-hmm. it's very scary and you feel like you're going to die. Um, <laughs> and sometimes you want to. Um, and then you go sit down, you're like, oh, OK, that wasn't so bad. But uh, even now, I, when I get up to read them, I'm, I'm always very, um, very nervous. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's ever going to go away for me. So Mm -hmm. it was really my brother's connection to his friend and, um, that got me, got me where I am today, I guess.
0: Cool. And so it does take a lot of courage and it takes that support. I'd love that, that, and that's one of the things that really connected me to poetry. And, and that really happened in the last several years. Um, I started this radio show after I'd lost a job that was very dear to me and my my professional work has always been in suicide prevention suicide bereavement crisis kinds of stuff and and I have a lot of good friends who do that kind of work and there are kind of certain things that appeal to me about people that i know and respect and and i've gotten to really care about who who do that kind of, of work helping people through really hard times mm-hmm. and and i recognize in poetry that i was experiencing and then poets who i was meeting that those same characteristics you know that like you're talking about that that support of other people that that compassion You know the the bravery to go to dark places with people and help them get through that all kinds of things that I love about you know my people who I who I had worked with across the country and more for you know all these years and then these poets I was meeting and every once in a while there's somebody who's like it's just all about this poet and I don't really I don't tend to like those people's writing or them personally (laughs) there's some of them everywhere i suppose you know and that's not to say that people should should um diminish what they do by any means but but i'm so enthralled with the the number of people i keep meeting who really enjoy elevating other people too you know not just doing their own good work and and making sure they're front and center but you know who bring other people up with them that's lovely that that's what you experienced there in vancouver
1: yeah, and, you know, my son, um, who's 18, Bryce, he uh, is a poet and musician, and, and just to see him be so welcomed by the community, too, um, you know, he gets up there and, you know, he's still working through his poetry and, and kind of fine-tuning that, but as far as his music, he's he's a very good musician, and um, he's just, he gets great feedback from from the community, and I feel very fortunate that he's been able to, be a part of that and um, you know he's had featured readings and and things like right. that already so um, just a great great community to um, be a poet in uh-huh. at this time
0: so you and your brother and your son are all involved with creating poetry
1: yes I have two brothers I have a brother that that lives in China um, he's a teacher there um, and he, um, he writes, but he's more of the musician. Um, so whenever he comes home from China and, and we try to coincide it with when there's, um, uh, one of the ghost town poetry open mics, um, and he'll play um, music while I read poetry and he's collaborated with my son too. And then, um, my younger brother in New York. He um, he's a poet, and um, I've collaborated with him. We've done some projects together, and um, we actually in February of 2015, uh, we all just happened to be in uh, New York together at the same time. So we all got to perform together, um, poetry and music. So that that was a lot of fun.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, my family's very very a very artistic family. And even um, just recently, I had a poem call, published called Music Heals," and it was about my dad and my younger brother. And um, the book that was published and I sent it to my father, and he actually wrote a poem back to me in response to it. Wow. And I just thought that I, I knew poetry was powerful, but for someone who has never written poetry, for him to be inspired to do that, um, that to me was Pretty incredible, yeah, and um, just the fact that he you know took the the time and the courage to write how he felt reading that poem, and really a response to me about that
0: that's lovely, wow, so d- did you grow up with a lot of music and and other kinds of arts in your household?
1: You know, my mom um was a painter, and so she you know, she would always paint, so we grew up with that, and and my older brother, um, the one that lives in China, is an amazing uh, painter, and so is my son, which is kind of interesting. Um, I have a daughter, Brittany, she is a dancer, so that was how she expressed herself um, artistically, and she's also... Um, she does sign language. And so a lot of times when she's available, when she's not raising her three-year-old daughter, um, she'll come to my readings and she'll actually sign the poems, Uh um, which is a, another beautiful art form to see someone, you know, form the words with their hands. Um, and then my dad was really the one who, um, exposed us to a lot of different music. Um, Harry Belafonte, the Beatles, um, Elvis, I mean, just um, Neil Diamond, just so a lot of very different um, genres of music. And um, my older brother was, uh, is an amazing saxophone player. My younger brother is more the guitar. And um, so we just always had music around us. We would me and my brothers would record when we were little and sing cool. songs and yeah. So um, we've kind of always had that artistic outlet uh, in our family and I've tried to, you know, expose my kids to as much art and music as I can. So hopefully, <laughs> and even with my granddaughter, you know, she's, she's been to a lot of art shows and um, outside music concerts and I think her first jazz, concert she was maybe a week old so (laughs) we wanted to start her early
0: that's wonderful
1: so it yeah and my my dad's always he was always singing so um i think some of the most joyful times were just singing in the car with him when we were driving back and forth from vancouver to seattle where he lived
0: that's cool so so art came pretty naturally it was all around you just part of living which is wonderful It's not like that for everybody.
1: <laughs> no, and I I don't think I appreciated that as much um until I I got older and um I I think I when I stopped and looked at all the influences that I had um you know my grandparents would take us on these you know great little adventures to Hawaii or just to the beach or um we had property on Hood's Canal and um just spending hours sifting through the sand and uh the gravel and and finding these tiny little seashells and um you know just giving us these great stories to you know relay onto our kids um as we got older so i think i i definitely the older i've gotten the more i appreciate all those influences
0: and i'm aware
1: of them now that i may not have been when i was younger
0: yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense that's that's it's just beautiful it's it's uh The the sense that I get is a very supportive and loving family environment, which some people may go, well, I didn't know you could write poetry if you came from that.
1: (laughs) Oh, there's always the flip side of that, too. I mean when you you grew up with um you know musicians and and poets and painters um you know we're all pretty sensitive people and so uh you know that's that's an interesting aspect of things yeah. too so yeah That's
0: really just
1: and did you grow up in the northwest?
0: It sounds like I you did. I've your lived in
1: your dad. Yeah, I was born in Seattle, Washington, but I've pretty much lived in Vancouver all my life. Uh-huh only my brothers decided that they were going to move, you know, one to the East coast and, and one to China. So, mm-hmm. um, Wasn't you know, news. they did they, <laughs> <yes, laughs> very much. So it's great for me. Cause if I want to go visit, I, I can, and I, I go to New York quite often. I haven't made it to China yet, but I'm sure that I will get there eventually.
0: Uh-huh. So he's pretty long-term in China. It's not like people who just go to teach English or something and then come back.
1: Well, he does teach English there, and he's um, he's been there. Let's see, three, almost four years now. So um, he does have to come back for um, a few weeks, um, and then he gets reassigned. And right now, he's teaching, um, you know, l- the little kids. So you know, um, more of the grade school type um, mm-hmm. age level. So, but he's taught middle school too. Both, in fact, both of my brothers are teachers. My brother Tyler in New York is also a middle school teacher in Queens. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or teachers, poets, musicians. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned photography too. So
0: tell me a little bit about that. I'm, I I really appreciate photography. I'm I'm one of those people who, you know, that my I have an old phone, but it has a it has of course a camera on it. Well, I say, of course, I had a phone for a long time that didn't have a camera, <laughs> but when I finally upgraded to whatever old iPhone I have, you know, I'd love, you know, it's like I say to people, I don't have any apps on my phone because I don't have the memory. I have photographs and I text and sometimes I answer a voice call. That's what my phone is for. <laughs> camera is, is the most important I, I love taking walks in nature I love taking walks in neighborhoods and and something that catches my eye that wouldn't necessarily be noticed by somebody else and, and being able to take those little photographs on my, on my phone but tell me about your photography because I, I do I think that's that's one of those great things I think it's it's, it's one of those slow down and notice things and, and from our different perspectives that's that's how it is for me how is it for you?
1: You know, um, photography for me is about being patient. And Mm -hmm. in a world that's so busy and, um, you know, I have a full-time job in the corporate world and, um, you know, with writing poetry and performing poetry, when I go out to take pictures and and I do schedule time for myself to just go out and be still and um, kind of just see what catches my eye. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, everybody always says, How do you take such good pictures? I'm like, it's it's really about patience Mm -hmm. and even if I'm Mm -hmm. walking on the beach with friends, they are way far ahead of me because I'm I'm back capturing things, like to be capturing them or um, you know, just something that I see and I think my grandmother again, um, she was always taking pictures and Mm -hmm. she always had a camera and she took pictures of everything. She took pictures of us when we were little. She took pictures of the food that we had. Um, you know, um, she was a hundred percent Norwegian and, um, she, for some reason loved to take pictures of food. I don't know what that's about, but, um, <laughs> She would fit right in now, huh? Everybody posted their yeah. on their Facebook. <laughs> she, yeah. She would do great on Facebook cause she could post everything. But, um, so she just was always, taking pictures. And, um, I think that's really where I developed that love photography. And, um, you know, I remember I had to beg my dad at one point for $20 to develop film, you know, back when we had to develop it and wait Uh a week to get it. Um, so now it's, it's really great because you, you never have to develop anything if you don't want to, but for me, it's just, (laughs) it's something that I do to unwind and relax and, um, just humble myself and, be able to capture things that are ordinary, but to capture them in a way that makes them beautiful and extraordinary. Mm -hmm. um, That I think, uh, is an art form all in itself. And, um, you know, I'll take a hundred pictures and I may get one that I'm, that I'm pleased with, but um, you know, it's more about just being quiet and taking in what's going on around you when Mm -hmm. um, the world is so busy. Yeah. And, I love to and... photograph sunflowers and I could sit in a field of sunflowers for hours and I have and just uh-huh. um capture different different angles of them or um you know the ones that are um you know starting to die and, and just different aspects of, of just the sunflower cycle. See now
0: that's interesting. I it hadn't even occurred to me that you know, that sunflower fields are something that we have around here in the middle of the country and in your different weather there that obviously there are sunflower fields too i just Mm -hmm. thought about that
1: cool yes they're very beautiful i've I've written sunflowers usually make it into my photography and into my poetry i've I've written many poems with sunflowers um in them so well we're getting close
0: to the middle of the hour which happens surprisingly fast and I want to make sure that we get to hear some of your poetry. So I wonder if you have something in mind that you could share with us now.
1: I do. I'm, um, this is from my book, um, Meet Me Where I Left You. Um, and these are all New York poems in this book. Um, just my journey there with um, going to see my brother. Um, I, just, I just wrote a lot of poems about New York. So this one's called Welcome Home. The pilot comes on the speaker and says, in just a few moments, you will be able to see Manhattan on the right side of the plane. For those of you on the left, maybe next time get a seat on the right. (laughs) I (laughs) I didn't pick which side of the plane I was seated on, just took the cheapest option as the flight doesn't matter as much as just getting there. Even from high above the concrete streets, my city calls to me. I see the people on the other side of the plane trying to catch the views wishing they could see how beautiful the city looks just below the clouds. New York is the same but different as it stands, its arms wide open to welcome me back once again. I nod as the city winks, and we both know I will once again leave here changed.
0: That's beautiful, and and I'm touched by it in so many ways when I think of New York. Um, I have some some friends and family who live in New York and so there are those personal connections. And the first time I don't know how it was for you, but the first time I went to New York City, I actually went for a conference and I was anticipating feeling overwhelmed. And instead I I experienced just becoming part of a neighborhood for a week. <laughs> and it was great. <laughs>
1: it is and you know that's really what new york is it's a bunch of neighborhoods mm-hmm. and um you know it's funny because it's busy and has as much energy as the city has i also find a a real sense of peace there
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i i really can um you know kind of quiet myself and just take in everything because it's it's very stimulating but yeah that's i love new york
0: yeah it's it's amazing Well, we're going to take a little break here, and in the next uh, half of the show, we will definitely hear more of your poetry, too, so I want listeners to know that. Right now, we're going to hear from a couple of the Lawrence, Kansas businesses that sponsor lawrencehits.com, and I get to say thank you to Daniel Smith, who produces the show, and the morning that we're recording is the day after his birthday. So, Daniel, I hope it's a wonderful week that started with your birthday Sunday. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to Talk With Me. This is Marcia Epstein, and my guest is Tiffany Berba. We were just hearing one of her poems about New York and, and talking about that city. And, and just a, a theme that that I'm getting in the conversation with you, Tiffany, is so much appreciation of, of that connection with people and place, that, that sense of belonging and, and support and expression. And so I'm, I've got all that, all that stuff that I love about poetry and, and also photography, you know, that I'm hearing you talk about it, that's part of who you are. That is really lovely to me. So tell us a little bit more about New York and you, because obviously that's important.
1: Oh, goodness! me in New York! Um, I, I first went to New York in two thousand and nine, and my brother had just moved there. He'd probably been there for a few years, and um, so he said, "Why don't you come out for a weekend?" And um it was a lot of fun because, you know, we kind of got to be tourists together, you know, because there was a lot of things that he hadn't seen. And we went to the Empire State Building and we rode through Central Park and just enjoyed all the wonderful things about New York. And I just remember being there and and really asking him what it was about New York that he fell in love with. And he he just said to me, he said, Tiff, it just, it feels like home. And um, I I understood that there's just something about it. Either you love New York or you hate New York. I think that's usually the gist of it. But um, I just I love the culture and, you know, a lot of the the people get a bad rap, but I have never encountered a single cruel or rude New Yorker. They're busy and they will acknowledge you, but they keep going. And I think some people, you know, think that that's rude, but um, they've been kind. And anytime I've needed directions or ask their opinion about something. They've, they've always been very kind and gracious. And um, so I, I just fell in love with the city. I love the little neighborhoods, the museums, the art. Um, gosh, what isn't there to love about New York? Uh, the pizza, um, <laughs> all the different ethnic fu- food. Um, there's this um, uh, great little jazz club in Harlem called Bill's Place. Um, I always try to make it a point to get there every time I go. Um, it's just, one of those, it's just in the basement and, um, you just get to listen to some great jazz and the, the energy in there is wonderful. Um, you know, there's lots of comedy clubs and, um, I had, um, me and my brother and his girlfriend, we had just, decided we were going to go to a comedy show and, you know, pretty well-known comedians. And then the last person that came out was Chris Rock and my brother looked at, (laughs) and, um, it was right before he was getting ready to do his Saturday night live with Prince. Um, and so he was working out some of his monologue and, and my brother just looked at me, he goes only in New York. And it was just kind of one of those fun New York stories that I had. And, um, You know, I've got to perform poetry at the Parkside Lounge um, in New York City. And so just there's just something about it that gives me great energy. And um, it's almost like my muse. Um, Whenever I'm there, I just I can't help but write. Uh And so I think just that connection of family there and um, that ambition and that energy of the city, it just it definitely recharges me because it's the Northwest is pretty laid back. And so sometimes you just need to be shaken up a little bit. Uh And New York definitely does that for me.
0: That's cool. Do you, do you go out there regularly?
1: I try to make it out a couple of times a year. Um, I didn't make it out last year um, just because I had moved and I had some things, you know, with working on my book and things like that, uh, a lot of editing back and forth. So that uh, took up a lot of my time. Mm -hmm. So I will definitely make a trip out there this year. I have a niece, Lily, who is, um, she just turned four. So um, I definitely like to get out there and see her and um, spend time with her.
0: Yeah, sweet. And since your your book is largely about New York and you, how about another poem from that? Would you be willing to share one?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, there's um, the book. It's titled "Meet Me Where I Left You," and um, so this is my "Meet Me Where I Left Left You" poem for New York. Meet me as fall has just changed the leaves in Central Park, where the green transforms to orange and yellow, as the air is crisp in the morning, warm in the afternoon, and chilly at night. Meet me as I welcome Clay to bask in your ambiance, where he and I grow in our love for one another, back in my brother's place in Woodside, where I first envisioned the life I would make in this city. Meet me on your streets, where I let... My feet soak up your grime and let your museums feed my artistic desires, where I spend time with my family eating Korean barbecue in Flushings and pierogies in Greenpoint. See me as I take a ride from Roosevelt Island to Manhattan, making a brief stop at the Museum of Sex, at the rooftop bar where my sister and I sit, laugh, and drink overpriced cocktails. Meet my brother and I on your street corners where we eat hot dogs from street vendors before attending Shabbat service, where I take in all the rituals of the Jewish tradition. Meet me as I travel down 30th Avenue where I shop for cannolis and chocolate-covered strawberries and watch Logan and Lucas devour the Italian treats as Lily enjoys a giant strawberry. Meet me where I plan to make my life as I fall deeper in love with you, as you restore any brokenness that my heart still clings to, where I pursue fantasies and live without regrets. Meet me back in that moment that love finally found the space that New York opened in my heart.
0: Very tender and sweet. With with that book, I wonder... When did you do most of the writing? Like the the book came out um, last summer. What kind of time period had you been writing those poems?
1: You know, um, let's see. I really started going to New York um, more frequently in 2013 when my niece was born. And so that's probably when I started writing the majority of the New York poems. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I went in... um, October of 2015, I wrote about 20 poems um, in the week that I was there. Oh, wow. And so um, there was only two that I that I actually wrote in addition for this book, everything else was written prior to, to starting to work on the book. And I had written so many poems, and they were, there was a variety of, you know, subject matter and different emotions. And so when I met with my editor, Tony Luna, she said, you know, your New York poems are the ones that I feel the most connection to. And I had felt that way too, that there was just something about those poems that, um, there was definitely a feeling behind them. And Mm -hmm. so we took, I had, I think, a hundred and, I don't know, like 110 New York poems and um, started the editing process, got rid of some, you know, changed some. And then I, um, the last poem that I just read, that was one additional um, poem that I wrote. And then there was one other one. So um, that's kind of how this book came to be was just adventures in New York and um, just feeling that real sense of place. And um, I don't, for some reason, it just brings out my, my muse there. Uh
0: Uh-huh. And and hundred and ten poems. So I'm I'm interested in, in that whole process. So do you did you have all those poems in prints, you know, spread around you and you and Tony going through them? What what did it actually look like to work from all those poems to creating a book of a, a certain set of those poems?
1: Well, we, we kind of broke it down into sections. Um after we decided which ones that, that I didn't want in there, there were some that, um, there were some that were similar, um, in their message. Um, there were several that were written by about certain individuals in New York. And so some we combined together, um, you know, I'm like, okay, I've already said this in this poem. I just said it in a different way, but I like how this is said better. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, just kind of started going through, um, that process. Some, you know, were like, they just weren't good poems. And so I'm like, I, I don't want that in in that book. So um, it was just really a, a lot of back and forth um, editing. And, um, you know, she's a wonderful editor. And, you know, she was very honest. And, you know, said I don't I don't feel this one captures how you feel about New York. And, and, you know, I would sit with it for a day or so, and usually she was right. And so um, those were the ones we kind of cut and um, just kind of went from there and just edited them to the point where we were both comfortable with them and um, felt like they were worthy to go into a book. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I know this is a
0: little point, but I'm, I'm, I am interested in, did you do this like on technology or did you do this with printed out poems?
1: Printed. Um, I work better editing. I editing is not my specialty. Um, <laughs> I I can write till you know the stars come out, but um, editing is kind of one of those things that uh, I don't enjoy. But through this process, my editing got a lot better, and so um, now I, I definitely think through the process. I can edit my pieces as I'm going. Um, but yeah, the editing editing process for me was better on paper because I could, you know, scratch things out and write over them and, and change things. And, and then I would go back and and we did an electronic copy too. But, Mm -hmm. um, for me, um, just being able to hold it and read it and read it out loud. And, um, you know, she and I, we would sit and I would read every poem out loud and we would fix things, um, as we went. Um, Uh -uh. because sometimes a poem on a page is, is, um, when you read it, it's, it's different. And so, you know, we had to make sure that how it read on a page for the reader um, conveyed the message. And even a lot of times when I perform them, I performed them a little bit different because I performed them the way that I originally wrote them, Mm -hmm. um, which to me sounds better in the oral tradition as you know, but on the page, it wouldn't, it wouldn't flow as well. So Um, There was a lot of verbal reading of the poems, and um, even before I did my book launch, uh, I ran through that set and read the poems and made sure that they were timed accordingly and uh, just made sure I could articulate them in in the way they deserve to be read. Mm
0: -hmm. I I find that really interesting, and, and maybe part of it is because I have my own bias, which is I really like books in print and i encourage by the books you know that there's something to me so many things so different about holding a book looking at it you know flipping from page to page all that that's different from what happens when i'm reading on technology um there's that part i, I love showing a book to somebody and saying you really need this or giving a book or loaning a book i i love getting signed books you know when i'm at readings having somebody sign a book that that i'm buying i mean i i, I do i don't i'm not a collector of things in general but books of poetry in particular or or books written by authors i've met i i love having those actual tangible copies of books and I, it was another poet and I I don't remember which one who who also talked about from his perspective there's something different even at a reading when a poet or writer is reading from pages as opposed to reading from the small screen of a phone that that there's more connection with with pages and Perhaps simply because they're bigger and and they can can be um, looked at and also look at the audience. Some, but that that the pages are more conducive to connecting with your audience at a reading, you know, which I, I found really interesting. And I was I was looking at um I was looking at some photographs from a recent reading that two of my friends, Annette Billings and Rhonda Miller, um, poets. From this Midwest part of the country, um, were involved in a reading in another community, and and there was an open mic part too. And I was looking at the difference between the pictures of Annette and Rhonda, who a lot of times are reciting poems from the heart um, memory as opposed to from paper. Anyway, but 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 looking at the photographs of them reading versus um, a, somebody who's holding, clutching that, that iPhone and staring at it. (laughs) So I like paper. What can I say?
1: (laughs) I, you know, I'm the same way. I always, um, even, I don't always read from my book either. I usually print the poems out. Um, Mm -hmm. There's just something different and maybe just flipping through the book sometimes can be a little bit challenging when you're trying to To get to the next poem. So um, I my phone is a backup Um, Mm -hmm. I think I had to use it one time because for some reason I had misplaced um, Which I don't do very often. i misplaced a poem that I need to read for a um, project that they were launching and so I just remember how foreign that felt to me. I'm like, I will never read from my phone again. It just, it didn't, it didn't have the same feel to me. So I, I get what you're saying with the the paper and just holding it in your hand. And um, there's just a different connection to the piece that way.
0: Yeah. And, and for people who are listening um, in the social media about this show, I will have the direct link to the createspace.com area where you can, can buy the book. Meet Me Where I Left You by Tiffany Berba, and that page also has a little bit of information about you as well as the book. But, but that idea of, of buying it—you know, where you where you can have it in paper—it's <laughs> so much better. It just is.
1: <laughs> well, and and my my book also has pictures um, in it. There are black and white pictures of uh, things that I've taken pictures of in New York. So. Um, that some of them go along with the poems and others are just uh, just beautiful shots of New York.
0: Cool. Because that was something I was wondering about is if you have combined your photography and your poetry in some publications. So you just answered that question even better. That's lovely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: So do you have a... Book... For my...
0: I'm so... Go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: Well, for my first book, I really wanted to... Um, Combine my love of you know poetry and New York and um, you know with that photography too and um, like I said I I've, I did a project to where I wrote off pictures I had taken so some of the pictures that are in there are there's poems you know based off those pictures so it it all seemed to tie in very well for this book it it came together uh, very nicely I'm I'm very pleased.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's great. And is there a
0: book in progress right
1: now? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I think for for me, uh, I write so much that I would really have to figure out what kind of theme that I would want to go with um, because I write on very different topics and just trying to be able to connect um, the pieces that I like to where you could put it into a book Um mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe in the future. Right now I'm, you know, I'm still doing a lot of um, readings for this book. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I've got two more coming up this year. So I've stayed pretty busy with just promoting this book and and being able to read and share in my community. And um, so this is, this is good for now. I'll I'll Mm -hmm. see in another few years if, if I want to tackle, tackle another, another book of poetry. Mm -hmm. And
0: I know in the description of the book, it um, one of the descriptions I read said poetry and short prose. Mm-hmm. And so, do you do you see yourself drawn to those other genres in addition to poetry?
1: Um, the prose pieces are, you know, I do have the prose in the beginning of of the book, and um, it's in a section called New York Stories. And actually, those those are made up stories. Um, uh, my friend and I, Clay, who actually took the the cover photo for for my book, when we went to New York in October of 2015, um, you know, we, there was all these things we wanted to do, and you can only fit so much in um, in a short time span. And so, uh, when we got back home, we kind of started saying, "Well, let's do this the next time we go." And so, we started just writing stories. Um, uh, about adventures we wanted to take, and so that's that's really the prose pieces in the book are are my um, kind of suggestions to him. They're kind of almost like letters to him about, okay, well today we're going to go to Central Park and we're going to rent a rowboat and and do that. So um, those are those are really my prose pieces in, in the book. It's just those short little stories about adventures.
0: Uh huh. Well, that's fun. Hmm. Yeah. And you you mentioned that that you share your art quite a lot with this lovely three year old person in your life. Do you, do you see yourself at some point, maybe doing something specifically for publication for kids?
1: You know, I I've really thought about that. I'm I'm I always spend every Saturday with my granddaughter Sophia, and so. Um, I am going to put it together a book for her called Saturdays with Sophia and they will basically be little poems about the just the everyday things that we do on Saturday, like blowing bubbles or taking a walk or feeding the ducks or um she's really um into fiddler on the roof, which I absolutely love. I <laughs> I started her out with that early and um she she sings the words as much as she can articulate at three. And so it will really be a book just for her. Um, Uh it kind of, you know, me capturing the joyful things and the moments that I, that I have with her. So, um, for my niece, Lily, um, I write her a poem every year on her birthday. Um and when she turns eighteen I will I will hand all of those over to her so she'll have wow. have that and just how I've seen how she's grown and the, the changes I see each time I go to New York and, and visit her. So um, there could be I, I've always been interested in in writing poetry for kids. Um so I, I definitely see that in my future somewhere. Mm-hmm. And maybe my granddaughter will want to write it with me. So that would be even more fun. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a blast. Do you guys read together a lot?
0: You know, just reading stories, <laughs> not just stories, do you, either, but I mean, those kinds of readings, does, does she like to have you hold a book and, and read with her?
1: Not so much right now. Um, when she was real, I started reading to her when she was maybe a couple of days old mm-hmm. um, And so, you know, I'll read poems to her and things like that. But she's very busy and curious and just Mm -hmm. loves to be outside and wants to take in the world. So a lot of uh, what we do with her is just exploring and um, having conversations about things. So um, I'm sure she gets older. That will be something that she uh, appreciates more. Mm -hmm. Um, But right now she's just like, okay, there's a whole world outside. And why are we not out exploring it? So
0: that's great. We
1: yeah we go collect pine cones and and pieces of grass and and make make art out of that, so that's kind of what we're focused on right now so uh-huh.
0: how about songs since music is such a part of your family?
1: oh my goodness um she she's kind of a character my my son Bryce he plays guitar all the time and he has a microphone set up in his room so when she's over on Saturdays um if uncle Bryce is playing the guitar she goes in there and she'll just start singing whatever she feels like she wants to sing okay. and um they just have this really amazing connection and he he started playing guitar for her you know when she was very very tiny mm-hmm. and has continued that and um You know, we listen to a lot of different music, so she picks up things here and there. But she let me tell you, the first CD she puts in my CD player is Fiddler on the Roof when she gets to my house. And (laughs) and you you better not you better not change that on her. She is not happy if you switch it to something else. So we (laughs) kind of have Fiddler on the Roof on repeat on Saturdays.
0: It's very cool
1: it, it's it's great music though
0: yeah that and that's great and and robust, I think about it, you know, it's like it's full of life, it <laughs> is good. yes yeah we're we're almost at the end of the hour, and I wonder, do you have
1: another poem that you would share with us? Yes, actually, I have um a poem that is a meet me where I left you poem uh for a young man that I met in New York named Shane, and um We we met the night that I had done the reading at the Parkside Lounge, and so this was kind of our encounter. So this is for Shane. Meet me where I last left you, on the city streets where the snow was stacked and the winter air chilled our bones. Meet me down the street from Cat's Deli where we conversed via text as I ate salty pastrami with my brothers. Meet me back in the bar where we did the dance as you looked, smiled, and turned away back in that moment when your lips pressed against mine and you asked for my number. Meet me back when you gave me that first hug and those kisses as my sister took our picture. Meet me back in that moment so I can spend more time getting to know you. If I can't get back to you, meet me where I last left you after you kissed me back where I last felt my heart.
0: That's so sweet.
1: It was just one of those... Um, Really great moments where you meet somebody, you just have that instant connection. And, um, you know, that was 2015, and um, we still talk every once in a while. So That's it's a, another really great New York moment.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, I am so glad. I'm going to give a shout out again to Matt Amatz for saying Tiffany Berba, you need to have <laughs> Tiffany Berba do the show with you. This has been delightful and sweet. And I, I want people to know that your book Meet Me Where I Left You is available. Um, the link will be on the social media uh, about the show. But it's a createspace.com link. And this lovely book with your photographs and your friend's illustration, our photograph on the front of it, I mean, it's it's it becomes even more personal and beautiful even knowing that of course your poetry is personal and beautiful but every like every bit of it you know having heard the story of of choosing poets you and Tony uh poems using using those pages and looking and deciding what to be included and then narrowing it down to this certain set um I will say to you and my listeners I'm looking forward to to ordering and later receiving a copy of this book. Um, so Tiffany, thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much. This was very enjoyable. I appreciate you selecting me. And thank you, Matt. Um, he's a poet that I respect and, and a photographer that I respect. So mm-hmm. um, I just ordered some of his stuff yesterday, some magnets that he had put together. So um, thank you very much to both of you.
0: You're welcome. And thank you listeners for listening. I know you enjoyed this and it will say so long.